Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Look great. Look at your neighbor and say you looked really good. Look good on this Freedom Sunday. Aren't you glad you uh, live in a country where we can enjoy freedom and in truth? And we're just so uh, is celebrating that. And uh, it's great, all these things that are going on. We're writing a series starting today, or starting today, called At the Movies. And today I'm going to be talking about Aladdin. And uh, we're not showing the movies. People say, oh, bummer, I thought we was going to get a break from you uh, talking. So, uh, no. But, you know, there are a lot of summer blockbusters that are out, and the uh, movie studios spend millions of dollars promoting those. And then people spend billions of dollars to go see the movie. So what we're doing is taking summer blockbuster movies, and we're going behind the scene and see if we can find any biblical principles that we can use in life. So, when somebody says, hey, I went and saw Aladdin, you know, it's great, Will Smith, the purple genie, oh, it's great, you can say, hey, have you ever thought about, and you can use one of the things that we talk about today, and you can change the conversation over uh, in, in, a, in a different direction. So, it's going to be fun, and we're going to grow. Now, one of the things that we're going to do to help you is that we're going to, as we always do, we're going to invite people, and the ushers are coming at right now, and we've got our cards, it says... Uh, at the movies, June 30th through August the 4th, free popcorn, Cracker Jacks, and water and soda, and a chance to win a dinner and a movie every week. We use these to invite people. Um, and listen, Paul said, I use every method I can. I become whatever I can be to reach someone for the Lord. We'll do anything we can short of sin to reach one more person for the Lord. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, you're called to be fishers of men, right? So to catch fish, uh, sometimes you have to change the lure. So every series that we have is just a different fishing lure to invite people. So during this season, say, hey, won't you come to church with me? Uh, we got free popcorn, Cracker Jacks. You know, we got a couple of people walking around, look like, you know, awesome places. And we got great music. And we're just going to look at that. And so people say, well, I've never heard of that. Popcorn and Cracker Jacks in church. I'll go. You, you must not have much of a church. Just one of those watered down, seeker sensitive churches. And yeah, I'll go with you because nothing will happen. And their life will change. So uh, please... Use those invite cards, and let's do everything we can to get somebody here with us. You know why we do that? In the last service, we had 21 people make a life decision for Jesus Christ. 21 people. Did you hear that? 21 people made a life decision in the last service. Well, get ready. Probably by, call, by the fall, we're going to have to add a third service because we're growing through the summer, and we just thank God for that. We're not going to glide through the summer. We're going to grow through the summer as you invite people and bring people with you. You have your Bible? On your Bible, your smartphone, your iPad, whatever you have, let's make our confession today from our heart because it's all about His Word. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the Word. I confess All right, we have uh, blank sermon notes for you. 
That's for those of you who want to be very creative. We always put down things that we think are important, but this gives you a chance for the next five or six weeks to put down what you think is important, all right? So here's the title of today, if you want to write it down, Discovering Who God Really Is. Would you say that with me? Discovering Who God Really Is. And so today, I'm going to use the movie Aladdin. It's a remake of the Disney classic, and who would have ever thought Will Smith as a giant purple genie. I mean, can you even imagine? And it's a summer blockbuster, and the movie centers around a young guy by the name of Aladdin. He discovers a lamp. He rubs the lamp, and out comes this genie and says, I will give you three wishes. Have you ever thought about that? You know, you, you can, you, as a kid maybe, or a kiddie adult, thought, man, if, there, if only there was a Aladdin now, you're, you're watching because this is small, but it's powerful, all right? You're thinking, what's going to come out of here in a minute? Because you know how creative we are. So you just watch. 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 No, I'm not going to do it. But if, if Aladdin's lamp were true, and there's a genie that comes out, gives you three wishes, what would they be? What would they be? I mean, just, just think about yourself. Well, I don't know. There's not such a thing as Jesus. But play with me. What if there were? What, what, would you, what would you wish for? Probably the first couple of wishes would be something like, a, you know, a, a, I'd like a Mike's bike or Jeff's bike or I'd like a, a moped or, you know, if you're old, you get one of those things that has three wheels on it that you can ride, you know. So you, so you look at those. <laughs> but anyway, you say, well, you know, I'd like, a, I'd like a home here, a home there, something else. And you'd probably use two on yourself. And then, we'd, of course, we'd, we'd save a third, you know, so that we didn't look like so selfish. We'd say, oh, I would wish for world peace, you know, or something, or, or no global warming, or uh, no more hurricanes, or, uh, or no more poverty, you know, so we would look good. But what would it, what would it be? What if, you, what if you would wish, what would that be? But I think sometimes if we're not careful as Christians, as Americans even, we sort of project that image onto God. And we have a warped, incorrect view of God. You say, well, I would never think God was a genie. But here's what we do. We get over and we get down on our knees, right? Oh, God, you said whatever I'd ask you, you'd give me. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm just asking you right now to answer my prayer. Lord, come on, help me to win the lottery, do whatever it is. And, and then, you know, we'd make sure we're saying the right words, you know, alakazam, alakabob, whatever, and hoping that, that God would answer our prayers. But aren't you glad that some prayers you prayed God didn't answer? So how do you picture God? How, how do you see God? I'm not talking about physically like, well, I see him as like an old man and got white hair, white robe, a long white beard, sort of like yours, except a whole lot longer, you know. Um, but no, I'm talking about what do you view him like? Like, you know, God is like. What, what would you view that? Uh, Romans 1 and 25, it's up on the screen. Would you read it with me out loud? You ready? Go. They traded the truth about God for a, for a what? For a what? For a lie. So a lot of people, and we're going to look at those today, some lies that we have sort of think about in our mind when we view God. Let's start again. Let's read it again. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. 
You see, when you have the wrong view of God, when you have a distorted view of God, or when you have a view of God that's really a lie that the enemy or some churches would try to make you believe, it hurts us. And if I have a distorted image of God, I can't really believe him for who he is. Now, you may argue with this, but I believe before you leave today, you'll know that, that I'm pretty well accurate, that I believe out of a crowd like this size today and those that are watching online, there are about 99.9% of us in one way or another have a distorted view of God in some way. Maybe just off a little bit, but it's a distorted view of God. Whether it's your first time to be at church or you haven't been to church in a long time or where you're one of those pros, you come every week. But I dare say that there are probably some areas in our life where we have a poor image of what God is really like. So here's what I'm shooting for today. So I'm going to lay it all out right at the very beginning. When you walk out that door today, I'm believing that you walk out today with a correct biblical view of who God is. Would you say amen? A biblical view of who he is. So if we're going to find the right thing, then we need to point out some of these lies. So if you're taking notes, I want to uncover some wrong views about God. I want to uncover some wrong views about God. First of all, here would be the first one, since I'm doing Aladdin, right? The first view would simply be this, if you want to write it down. God is like a genie. Or God is a genie. That if, you know, if I, if I rub this just right, in fact, watch this video. It'll, it'll sort of say it better than I can say it. Watch. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamp. Oh, great one who summons me, I stand by my oath. Loyalty to wishes three. Wow. Yeah, we only wish, right? But I think sometimes we view God that same way. That if I say my prayers right, if I rub this lamp just right, abracadabra, alakazam, you know God's going to answer all of my prayers. But when you think about your prayers, how do we start our prayers? Do we start our prayers by saying, God, I worship you, you're awesome, Lord, forgive me for some things I did wrong this week? No, most often, we treat God as a genie. Hello, God, it's me. I'm still praying for that car, I'm still praying for that health, I'm still praying for, I'm still praying to win the lottery, I'm still praying for that. And so, basically what we're saying, if you listen, God, what you're good for, for me, is that if you'll give me what I'm asking you. Now, I'm, I'm not diminishing God does love to answer our prayers, but I think sometimes our prayers are all about us and the selfishness of us, and we so it's sort of like we, we, we pray, and we're hoping that God will say something like this, yes, your prayer is my command, just whatever you want. I'm here to serve you, whatever you want. Whoa, all of a sudden we think, Whoa, that is a distorted view. That means that I'm at the center of the universe, and God exists to only serve me. But that's backwards, isn't it? That's a shallow theology. And if I, if I believe that, then I'm going to be disappointed. Because I'm going to be disappointed, because there's going to be bad days. There's going to be bad days that I have loss. There's going to be bad days when I experience failure. And so we look at that, and we think, well, something must be wrong. 
I'm not saying my prayer's right. I'm not doing something else. But I tell you, this view of God is a lie, and we need to get rid of it. Say, get rid of it. We want to get rid of that view. We don't we want to look at that view anymore. The second lie, the second distortion is this. God is a fence. Say fence. God is like a fence. He's, uh, there's this fence that is erected, and God is on one side, and I'm on the other. There's no door. There's no way that I can get to him. He's, uh, he's far, far away. He's distant. And, and you see, if I have that view, then I believe that he's unknowable. I, I can't know him because he's, he's far away. I can't get to the other side. And so if we believe that view, we don't even try to get to know him. Or maybe we try to get to know him once or twice, and then we see that it's impossible because we're thinking that it's a fence. He's holy, and I'm not. I'm a sinner, and there's no way that I can get to him. And so we see God is a fence. But God said, no, I'm not a fence. I'm sending my son Jesus to the cross so that he can open up a way so that you can have a relationship with me. In fact, Jesus says, you want to know what God is like? Watch what I do. And Jesus, remember the parable that he said? He said, I'm like a shepherd. And he said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one sheep goes astray, what does he do? He pursues that one sheep, right? He goes after that sheep. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, oh, well, I've got 99 Oh, that one loser that walked away. Well, just let them go. They're going to get the consequences of their life. They didn't do what I said. I told them to stay in the fence, but they got to, you know, do what they want. And so I'm just going to let them go. God, and, and Jesus says, no, that's not what God is like. God is not a fence. He's a pursuer. He seeks you out. He tries to find you. He's relentless in his search for you. And he goes, even, even when we walk, even though somebody here today has walked away from God. Well, I just felt that strongly in my spirit. You've walked away from God, and you think, God doesn't even care about me. He cares about everybody else. But you know what? Of all the days that you could come, you came today, and the Lord just dropped that in my thought. Why? He wanted to get right in your face and to tell you he's been looking for you. He's been pursuing you. He's done everything he can, and now you're here today, and he's simply saying, I'm not a fence, but I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. God is not behind the fence, but he's pursuing you. He wants to get to know you. So let's get rid of it. Say, get rid of it. Get rid of that. We don't want that. That's not a picture of God. Here's another image that sometimes people see. God is like a dirty garbage can. Say garbage can. Oh, a dirty garbage can. You got to say it like that. With lots of filth in it. And most of that filth, come on, most of that filth, stuff I put in there. Sometimes people see God as a, as a garbage can, like God is keeping score. And everything I do wrong, everything I do is a failure, God takes it and he throws it in that trash can. And so then when I get ready to come to him in a time of need, I come and uh, he looks at me and says, oh, it's you. Yeah. I got a garbage can with your name on it. I got all the failures. I got all the mistakes. I got all the things that you've done wrong. 
and if we have a distorted image of God when we come to him, because we know there's things in there. And so he just takes it and he throws it in our face. Says, take a look. Let me bring it up again. Let me tell you those things that you did wrong. Let me remind you of everything that you've done wrong. You see, if we have that view of God, we feel like God is disappointed in me, that God hates me, that, he, that he's keeping score. But listen, God loves you. God loves you. And you know what? Tell me what we need to do with this one. Get rid of it. We need to get rid of that one because he's not a garbage can, right? Aren't you thankful for that? If you are, give him a hand clap and say, yay, God, thank you. Well, sometimes people view God as a ladder, you know? It's all about, and, and here's the scary one. This one's the one that really hurts me because a lot of us believers really see God like this. It's really the most common distortion and lie about God. And what it says is that I must earn my way to God. God is way, 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 way. You ever feel like that? And I'm way down here. He's awesome. He's holy. He's the mighty God. And man, I got flaws. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going I'm to I'm do better. And if I do better, and if I can get far enough up this ladder, and if I can keep doing things, one day I'll get to where he is, and he'll say, come on in. Come on in. But that's a distorted view, isn't it? Because just about the time that I think I'm really doing good, you know, oh, man, I'm, 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 I'm doing good. I'm, I'm up the ladder, man. I've, I got my act together. I'm guarding my heart. And Look at that lady. I was doing good. But I lingered a little bit with that look. Oh, I'm such a failure. And so, so, we, so we look at that and we think, well, I'm, I'm going to do good. I'm going to start coming to church. I, I'm going to start volunteering. I, I'm going to start doing all of those things. But you know what? We come to the place that we get frustrated because we can never get what? We can never get good enough. But the Bible says there's nothing, say nothing, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love. Look at your neighbor and say, you'll never be good enough by yourself. Look at the other neighbor. You know that's not good enough and tell them. You heard it right here. Sometimes we think about our salvation as if, if I keep on climbing, I'll get good enough. But you'll never give up enough things to get good enough to get into his presence. It's a lie. It's a distortion. Some of you have been working so hard, I'm, I'm going to do better. I'm going to quit cussing. I'm going to quit going to that website. I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to quit. And so you keep trying it, but you'll never be able to do it on your own. You're just three rungs up and two rungs down. It's a whole story of your life. Anybody ever been there? I mean, it's up and down and up and down and up and down until one day finally you realize he's not a ladder. Look at this verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Read it out loud with me. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Wow. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Salvation, he says, is not something I can boast about that I'm climbing up the ladder. No, it's, it's not. 
salvation comes it's his grace gift that comes to me aren't you thankful for that we should say thank you Lord hallelujah that's great I because you've been working hard and it hasn't worked so that's not a good one so what are we gonna say about the ladder get rid of it so let's take that ladder away that's not a good image of God so if God is not a genie if God is not a fence if God is not a trash can if God is not like a ladder then let's look at discovering the correct view of God and the correct view of God would be this God is a what a door God is a door God is a door a door is made to open, right? A door is made to welcome you. It's not a barrier, but it's a door to, to welcome you. A door secures. So a door secures my salvation and secures my eternity. So God is like a door. Here's what Jesus said in Revelation 3 and 20. Read it with me. Look. Now, read it. It's, there's an exclamation mark there, so it looked like it is a look, like school's out, okay? Ready? Let's say it. Look! In other words, listen, this is important. This is important. Look. Let's read it. Look, I stand at the door and what? And knock. He's pursuing you. It's not like you have to go find him. He's finding you. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and do what? Open. Open the door. I will what? Come in and we will share a meal together as what? As what? I mean, isn't that amazing? Some of you feel like he's, he's against you. He doesn't like you. He's so holy and you're so unholy. But he says, no, if you'll open that door that I'm knocking on your heart's door, I'm going to invite you in and we're going to sit down not as enemies, not as I am bigger and better and better than you. But we're going to sit down as friends. When I sit down with a friend, I love that friend. I'm accepted by that friend. I don't have to say, uh, okay, Tim, let's go out and let's go grab a cup, a cup of coffee. And we sit down and say, oh, Tim, I'm so sorry. I know I'm, I'm a failure as a friend. Tim, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I should have done this. And Tim, you know, if I, boy, if Tim, if I just didn't. You know what? After a while, Tim say, dude, hey, time out. What's wrong with you? I thought we were friends. I don't have to try to prove to him that he's my friend. He's my friend simply because of the relationship we have. And some of you have been trying to prove to the Lord that he's okay. But listen, he just simply says, you come in, open the door. I'm going to sit down with you like your very best friend. You don't have to try to impress. You don't have to say things. Just hang back in my presence. You know what's great about a friend? You can have dinner with a friend. Don't have to say anything. You go out with a stranger and you feel that silence. I better say something. Nice day. Nice day. But I can go out with my friend. We can enjoy the coffee. We can look at the cars going by. Yeah. We don't have to say anything to him. Why? We're friends. That's what he's saying in this verse. He says, look, I'm going to knock on the door and I want you to open and I want to come in, and I want to be your friend. He says, open the door, open the door. You say, well, Terry, how do I open the door? I'm glad you asked. It's as simple as ABC. It's as simple as ABC. Here's the first one if you want to write it down. Admit. Admit you need God. 
Admit you need God. Admit that you need a Savior. Admit you need a God. You need a Savior. Why? Because we've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. If there's anybody here today that's never made a mistake, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Because I didn't want to tell you that hell's hot. All right. This church is not a church of a bunch of perfect. Look around. Look around. There's some good-looking people here. But here's what I want to tell you. Every one of us are flawed. Every one of us have made mistakes this week. I've made mistakes this week, more than one. How about you? Would you raise your hand and help me so I don't feel so bad? Thank you. I was beginning to worry there. I thought I, thought I was in the, in the holy land right here. Everybody, no mistakes. The Scripture says in Romans 3 and 23, look at this on the screen. For a few of us have sinned. For who? How many? Are you in everyone? So everyone has sinned. And because of that sin, we fall short of God's glorious standard. He's saying, here's God's standard. It's holiness. But I'm a sinner. I'm a, I'm a frail person. And so when I try to get to him, I can't get to him because of the sin that's in my life. You see, it, it's not God that separates. It's the sin. When Jesus died on the cross, remember, Jesus said, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He simply said, for the first time in his life, he, he, he knew that God's gaze was not upon his life because it was your sin and your sin and your sin and my sin that carried on Jesus. And God couldn't look upon that sin. And so here we are, we're in this precarious situation that God is desperately wanting us. He's knocking on our heart's door. But you see, one thing will keep us from God. Not God, but my pride. My pride will keep me from God. My pride says, I can't admit my mistakes. I, I don't really have mistakes. I, you know, I'm just there. Listen, don't let your ego keep you out of heaven. You know what ego stands for? Edging God out. Ego. Edging God out. No, I, I need a Savior. I humble myself, and I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. You see, if you're self-made, hey, I don't need God. You know, Christianity, God is a crutch, and I don't need no crutch. I'm doing fine. Here's what I know. If you're a self-made man, you worship your creator. You catch that on the way home. Say, but uh, uh, this whole cross thing, this Jesus thing is just a crutch. You know what? You're right. And I'm limping because of the results of sin in my life. And I'm so thankful that I can put my arm around Jesus who becomes my crutch. And he begins helping me and carrying me and getting me to the place that I can be healed and I can be whole and I can walk. If that's happening to you, give him a praise. Say, yay, amen. <laughs> Romans 6 and 23 says, here's the reality. The wages of sin is death. If you're living a lifestyle of sin, that's not saying, well, you know, I, I sin and I ask God to forgive me. But that, that's that you're living a life separated from God. You don't want anything to do with God. You're even bragging about your life. 
well, you know, I've done this for so long now. If I went to church, the whole roof would fall in and collapse in. Or, you know, if I'd make a change, you know, it, it would just, it would just, it, no, look, wait, wait. There's wages for the sin in your life, and it's death, physical death here. If you're not a Christ follower today, you are physically dead right now. You, you're not experiencing. You, you don't know what it is the joy. You don't know that peace. You, you, you don't understand that presence of God. But not only that, it's a separation in eternity from God. There's only two places you're going to spend eternity. There's no in-between place. If you're a Christ follower and if you've trusted, you see, somebody, your sin has to be paid for. So Jesus paid for our sin, so you have a choice. I'm going to take him paying for my sin, or you can be a big boy and say, I'll pay for my own sins. And as a result of that, you're going to be separated from God for eternity because sin can't come into his presence. And here's what the result is. You're going to be separated from him for eternity in hell where the flames and the fire never stops and never quenches. You ever thought about that eternity? How long is eternity? It's longer than I've lived. It's longer than the world has been. When you come to the end of what you think eternity is, it's really only begun. Well, when I think about that, I'm thinking, man, eternity is going to be cool to be at the Lord, to be with you guys. It's going to be so awesome. Man, I, you know, there's, there's motorcycles in heaven, you know. It says, Joshua's, it says that Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. That's stretching a little bit, I think, right? Oh, God, forgive me for lying. But you see, if I'm separated from God in eternity in hell, people say, I'm just going to go hang out with my buddies. We'll just have a big drinking party. No. Hell is a place of separation. You will be isolated. You'll not be hanging out with other people that you've known. You're going to be completely isolated from everyone, including God, for all eternity. And you tell me that the sin that's keeping you from God is worth that? For the wages of sin is death. Read it. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5 and 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while I was still a sinner. He's not saying, get better, get better, get better, and come to me. He says, right now, in the midst of your worst time, I want to come to you, and I want to draw you to myself. That's how much I love you. If I had time today, some of you could come up and say, Terry, at the time that I was having the worst reaction to overdose of drugs in my life, and I thought I was ready to die, and nobody can help me, God showed up. In an angelic form, somebody shared the gospel, and I prayed that prayer, and the Lord rescued me right in the midst of my worst sin. I'm so thankful that I know a God like that. People say, oh, I could never serve a God that sends people to hell. I couldn't either. I could never serve a God who sends people to hell. I couldn't either. Because I don't serve a God who sends people to hell. I serve a God who sent his only son to die on the cross so that I don't have to go to hell. But if I choose to say no to Jesus, then I choose my own destination. Oh, I love a God that will go and do everything he can to bring me to him. Here's the C. C stands for commit. 
Admit I need a Savior. Believe that Jesus is the only way. C is I commit. Notice the first two little words are internal words. I can't really see them. But this one is an external word. It shows on the outside what's on the inside. Now, we don't think about that. Now, it's not saying I'm, I'm perfect. But it's just simply saying if I have an ongoing lifestyle that doesn't match up to this book and I say I'm a Christ follower, then one of two things is wrong. I have a distorted image of God. Or I have made my own choice that I create my own God. You see, if, if I'm a follower of Christ, then I need to live out my public life, what his word says, in my heart. So if you're always getting angry, and then you just say, well, that's just me. I'm Italian. I'm Irish. I'm redheaded. Yeah, I'm, I'm this. I'm something else. Instead of saying, oh, God, forgive me for getting angry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Now, that's different, but it's when people are braggadocious about that. Or when people say, you know, I know what the Bible says about adultery, uh, but you know what? God understands. We live together, and, uh, you know, yeah, we have sex, but, you know, it's the world we live in today, that old antiquated Bible. Excuse me. Excuse me. You're not living a representative life of a Christ that changed the entire end part of your heart. Now, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody slips up. I realize that. But for somebody to brazenly say, I am a Christ follower, and brazenly walks in a different direction. Jesus said this, in the last days there will be some people at gates of heaven and say, Lord, didn't we go to the Father's house? Didn't we, didn't we go on the motorcycle ride and raise money for military Bible sticks? Didn't we uh, volunteer and greet people? And he said, I'm I'm sorry. I never had a relationship with you. You knew me here, but you didn't know me here. Some people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. The difference in a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. And I'm not aiming to be judgmental today. I'm just saying, my heart is so heavy for the next generation who sees people, who says that they're a Christ follower, but their outside life doesn't match up with his redeeming love in our heart. <sighs> Scripture says, if you openly declare that Jesus is the Lord, that means leader or boss, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. He's not a genie. He's not a fence. He's not a garbage can. He's not a ladder. He's a door, and he knocks, and he says, I, I want to come in, and I, I want to give you peace, and, and I want to I be with you. Hey, I got this great stool right here. This stool is uh, a fawn bar stool made in China. I can tell you the statistics about this. It was made November 12th. 2014 and it says that it was inspected on 11 12 2014 by Jackie I know more about this stool than you know about the chair you're sitting in I'm good I know all about that stool but you see I could I could have this stool and and I could walk around it say that's a pretty stool nice stool well made 
I could put my foot on it. Yeah, man, it's a nice place to rest your foot. I like to, but that chair, that stool wasn't meant to hold my foot. It wasn't meant for, you to, for me to give you the particulars about it. Here's what it was made for. You see, I can just, and I look at that and I think, now, we do a lot of tricky things around here. Do you think that chair's going to hold me? You're indecisive. How many of you will say, I think that'll hold you? How many of you will say, no, I don't think it'll hold you? Thank you for being honest. A little wiggly, but... I will never know if this stool will hold me until what I do what? Until I come over here just sort of lean on it, right? That's safe, right? That's where some of you are right now. You're just leaning on Jesus. Because you know you may be in a crisis this afternoon. And you want to be close enough to just lean on him. But I'll never know this stool will hold me. Till I sit down. I can swing my legs. I can do all that. I can bounce. I can do the chicken or whatever the dances are. I have no idea. I can do the hallelujah shout. I can do the Harley hoedown. But I would never know that until I transferred my being to this stool. See, all of this is null and void this morning until you transfer your total trust on the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to knock on your heart's door, and if you'll open that door and believe on me and commit to a lifestyle of following me, you say, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? It means to follow Jesus. He didn't say, there's a book, read it. He said, as, as I'm walking, whatever I do, you follow. You walk with that. That's all he's asking. He, he, that's all he's asking today, that we be a Christ follower. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the only way to God. I am the truth. There are a lot of lies out there how you get to God, but none of them work. And I'm the life. I give eternal life. Read that last line with me. No one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, listen. If you don't open the door, he won't come into your heart. He could kick it down. Of course he could kick it down. But he won't. He says, why, why would I want to force myself on you? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you today for loving us. We thank you that you come pursuing us even here today. And Lord, we can try, we can go through all the things, and we, we come short. We just, we just need you. As your head is bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to just think about your own life. Maybe you're here today, and as we've been talking along, you've realized there's distorted views that you've had of God. And today you say, you know what, I, I need to invite him into my life. I need to open the door.
In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to confess out loud. You're going to, you're going to talk to him. But there may be somebody here today say, you know, I've had a distorted view of God, and I've been trying real hard, but I've never, I've never really settled down and transferred all my being, my trust to him, and let him be Lord. I just, I just lean on him. And in a minute, I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, I want you to just raise your hand and make eye contact with me, and I want to lead you in prayer today. I don't want you to leave today unsure. Terry, I don't know about my eternity. I don't know. I've gone to church all my life, but really you've caused me to wonder today. No, I didn't cause you to wonder. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's speaking to you today. Some of your, your hands are already sweaty, and, and you think, what's going on? It's nothing. The Holy Spirit is drawing you to Christ. Some of you right now, your heart's beating faster. Some of you, there's tears streaming down, begin to well up in your eyes. Why? It's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Him. It doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. It matters, have you transferred your entire trust to Jesus Christ? So in a minute, I'm going to count to three. And when I hit to three, I want you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, Terry, today, I need to confess. I need to confess some things to the Lord and get right with Him. I know I'm not right. Man, I see tears wiping all over this building. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because I can't change you. And I can't make you do that. But he's drawing you. People have been praying all week long in this building. People walked by every chair in this building yesterday and prayed over the building because they knew you might be here today. And they knew your eternity would be ready. So one, if you're needing today to confess to him and to trust him, in a minute when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me too. Don't let fear or anyone intimidate you. But when I say three, I want you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me today. And I want to lead you in prayer. And I'm going to tell you there's going to be a heavenly, there's going to be a heavenly transaction that's going to happen in your life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Don't wait on somebody else. But three, raise your hand. Thank you over here, 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 back here, over here, down here, 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 over here, here, over there, there, over here. Come on, raise your hand proudly. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Hands going up all over the building this morning. Thank you. 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 You may put your hand down. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We've all prayed this prayer at one time or another. I can't change on the inside of you. I can give you the words, but you have to give the surrender. It's a total decision of sitting on that stool. You say, well, what if it doesn't hold me? He's big enough to hold you. He's held people for over 2,000 years since the cross and the resurrection. And I'm telling you, you're not too far gone for him to hold you. Pray this prayer with me today. Father God, I thank you today that you pursued me. I could never find you, but you found me. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me for trying to be in control. I surrender today. I just, I just take all restraints off, and I just transfer myself into your trusting hands. I believe with my mouth I believe in my heart, and so I say it right now. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your spirit. As best as I know how, I want to follow you all the days of my life. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. 
To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.